Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, I need you to know that recently, in the last couple of weeks, we've been able to give a check to Convoy of Hope because right now they are on the ground in Israel helping out with the families that have lost so much there. And we were able to partner with them and write them a check for $35,000 just two weeks ago. Thanks to your generosity. And I love, I love this Sunday, just so you know. This is one of my favorites because this is where we get to see a church like rise to the occasion and give faithfully and sacrificially to all that God is doing. And get this, just this year alone, beyond these walls, uh, including partnerships like Convoy of Hope and, and ARC, a church planting organization that helped us launch when we had a dream in our heart to plant here in Erie, a life-giving church, and, and they plant churches all over the U.S., uh, the Erie City Mission, our local partners, and then even help right here in the house for those that are in need, sometimes with, with rent or, or utilities. We've been able to give, check it out, 130000 this year alone, beyond these walls, thanks to your generosity. So give yourselves a hand. Fired up. I'm fired up for church. Anybody excited about church today? And I'm ready. We want to welcome those of you in the room just checking us out. Hey, you are not just welcome here. You are wanted here. And I hope that you, you feel that way. And also everybody joining us online. Welcome to our online family, whether you're in a tree stand or on a treadmill today. We're glad that you are joining us as well. It's going to be a great day. And if you are a guest, just so there's no confusion as to what this is, we are a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect and holy God. And we're doing the best that we can to, to figure out how to, to live our lives and lead our families and, and, and have an impact in this community based on what God's Word tells us. And we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He's the life, and we are passionate about building His church, his kingdom through the local church. So uh, I don't know what you think you're sitting in this morning, what you've walked into or what you have logged into, but this is not a TED talk. This is not a, a YouTube video, right? This is the, the local church, the hope of the world through Jesus. We are God's plan A to help bring the good news of the gospel to a hurt, lost, and broken world. So when you give here, and you serve here, and you show up here like you are making a difference. You are investing into and building like the, the, the most irresistible and unstoppable force on the planet. You know what that is? The local church. In fact, it is the largest organization that has ever existed. So all that to say up front, what we do here today matters. This matters. This is worship for us. This is sacrifice for us. This is leaving a legacy that will outlast each and every one of us. And so that's what you have walked into today. So if you have some church baggage around the topic of giving and generosity, can I go ahead and release the pressure right now and free you up? Maybe you, you've carried that in, in with you. Uh, we want nothing from you. You need to know that right off the bat and, bat, and God needs nothing from you as well. And if you would just kind of release that pressure, I believe that you will walk out of here today um, not built up, but, but not, not beat up, but built up and encouraged as to what God wants to do in and through your life. I don't have an instruction 
for you today. As much as I believe Jesus has an invitation for us this morning, because you're not sitting in an ordinary church on an ordinary weekend. You are sitting in Elevate Church in a time and in a season where we are drawing a line in the sand and saying this is who we are going to become for decades to follow. And so if you would just stand to your feet, I want to read you our text this morning. Let's just read the Bible. Dear Lord Colby, get to it. I'm getting to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in Corinth about another church. And I'm going to read it out of the, the message version. Uh, this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. It's, it's a great paraphrase of God's word. He says this, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in the Macedonian province. Listen to this next sentence. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limits. I wonder if anybody can relate to that. There, there's a lot of familiarity in that verse, is there not? We've experienced fierce troubles in our life. And then look at what it says. The trial exposed their true colors. And I love that about trials, by the way. I love how true, like, like trials expose your, your, your metal, your, your substance, what you are made of. It exposes your, your true colors, your integrity, your grit that you have. It says this, they were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. So in other words, money is not going to fix that depression. More money is not going to solve that. More, more money is not going to quench your, your ambition or what you are chasing after. They were incredibly happy even though they were desperately poor. And the pressure, watch this, triggered something totally unexpected. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. This generosity, this overwhelming generosity. So you may have been been born selfish, and I think we all were to some extent. We're born into a sin-filled, broken world, but you may have been reborn and born again generous. That, that's who you are now as a follower of Jesus, and that might not be everybody in the room, and I understand that, but how many of you know God has this unbelievable way of not seeing you where you are or as you are, but seeing you as you could be, which is why he will call you uh, righteous while you're still stuck in addiction. He'll call you righteous while you're still stuck in the sin pattern and, and doing your best to, to figure it out. He'll call you generous before you've even given a dime. This is how God sees us. Because when you know who, whose you are, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to go and do. And so this is what they did. He said, I saw it for myself, Paul says. I saw it with my own two eyes. They gave offerings of whatever they could and then check it out far more than what they could afford. So here's what I think, verse 10, and then I'll have you sit down. Here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now, church, is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. He says this, your heart's been in the right place all along, and I love this, you got what it takes. This is a, a halftime locker room speech, is it not? You got what it takes. Come on, team. Let's go huddle up. Keep driving, keep pushing, keep pressing. Move that ball down the field. You got what it takes to finish up, so go to it. Go to it. Go to it, church. Living a life of generosity. Living a life of sacrifice. And generosity really is the highest level of living there is. And if you're not yet living there, hey, that's okay. But I just need to be certain as your pastor, it, 
It's not because no one has called you yet to that level of living. And today I believe God wants to call us to a different level of living. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray right now that it would accomplish its intended purpose, get me out of the way. The last thing we need is to hear from Colby. God, we need to hear from you, your spirit. After all, your Holy Spirit is who leads us and guides us into all truth and wisdom and understanding. And so I pray right now that there would be uh, no spirit of condemnation or guilt, but I also pray that a spirit of generosity would begin to rise up and that we would make some noise for the kingdom of heaven because of what you did today in this room. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, guys. So I am an evangelist at heart, all right? I just am, um, but not just for Jesus. Don't get mad at me. Don't email me about that. Just telling you. Uh, and and you, there's a lot of things. Being an evangelist simply means that you are passionate about something, and you try to passionately persuade people to be excited about what you are excited about. You're evangelist too, by the way. Like some of you are evangelists for the Steelers. Let me hear you. See? Some of you are evangelists for the Bills. Some of you are evangelists for the Browns. Okay. You know, there are no Browns fans at the Saturday night, you know, 5 p.m., just so you know. So if you're a Browns fan, probably don't show up then. I'm just saying. Um, you, some of you are evangelists for essential oils. <laughs> They're like... Some of you are evangelists for cats. I'm praying for you. Some of you are evangelists for your, your meats. You know these people like, my smoked meat. You haven't tried my smoked meat. Let's try mine. Some of you are evangelists for that. So for me, whether it's Jesus or it is um, um, uh, pickleball or it is, uh, I would say, um, Krispy Kreme. Shout out to our sponsors today. Or... I just, I talk about what I am passionate about, all right? So I'm, I'm an evangelist, which brings me to my most recent uh, kind of thing I'm excited about, and that is the cold plunge. You know what I'm talking about, uh, cold plunge people? I don't want to make this sound sales pitchy. This is what I did last night before church. I'm like, I have to show you what this looks like. And so I don't want to make this sound too sales pitchy. Uh, it's not just the increased serotonin levels. It's not just the, the decreased inflammation or the, the pain relief, and it's not just the, the decreased kind of anxiety that you have, and it's not the fact that, that within like three minutes, you can literally burn hundreds and hundreds of calories like I'm doing right there, right, in that moment. For me, it's not any of those things. You know what it is? It's the energy. It's the excitement. It's the feeling awake and alive of it because there is nothing, and some of you know this, there is nothing that wakes you up like ice-cold water does. Is that not true? And for all of us, we're tired, are we not? Like, I'm tired, you're tired. We spend a lot of money on caffeine to wake up. That's why Starbucks will make $30 billion this year, because you are trying to wake up. And it's funny, because I can talk about caffeine and, and being addicted to caffeine and Diet Mountain Dew and coffee, and that's the one, you know, addiction that we're like, yeah, we just kind of laugh it off. You know, no big deal. It's probably okay, right, type of thing. I'm just telling you, nothing, nothing wakes you up like ice-cold water. Because here's what happens. You, you get into the ice-cold water, and all of a sudden, like, your body goes into shock. 
and you start to feel this fight or flight kind of mentality. We're like, why did I do this? This is stupid. What's going on? You're having this conversation in your mind like this is dumb, and you start to hyperventilate a little bit. You take these shallow breaths, but then you know what happens? You breathe, and you breathe again, and you start to realize, actually, I'm not going to die, um, and something cool happens. You're like, I, I've never felt more alive. I've never felt more awake than I do right now. Colby, make it spiritual. All right, I will. Generosity is like cold water for your soul. It is. It really is. It shocks you it, because money is important. Let's all agree on that. Money's important. We need it. I get it. And giving away what is important in your life shocks you. And it, it kind of does something, and it wakes you, you up. And I'm being so serious when I tell you, you will never meet an apathetic, generous person. You won't. You'll never meet someone who's just a sleepy soul, just kind of, you know, sleepwalking through life, who is living a life of generosity and sacrifice. You cannot find that person. Because here's what happens. You're like, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just gave over and above. And you go into shock. And you start to like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make, make ends meet. I don't know how we're going to, to do that. And you start to breathe. And you start to breathe again. And you remind yourself that the, the God who holds the world in place is also holding you and your family and your finances. And he's taking care of, of you. And then you watch God respond in your life. I'm telling you, there's nothing like living a life of generosity to wake up your, your soul because now you realize, man, I'm a part of something bigger than me. And so you've heard perhaps people say, you know, I'm living awake, I'm living, you know, wide awake. I guess my message today is giving awake because there is nothing like living at that, that level of living a life of generosity. I dare you to try it <clears throat> because this is the one thing actually God says, test me in this. Try me in this. I dare you to see firsthand that generosity is an addiction for your soul, but the healthy kind. And so that's what Paul is saying about this, this church in Macedonia. Look at it again. He said this, fierce troubles. Like they were hard pressed. Trouble was coming on every side and it pushed them to the very limit. And I read that and I thought, hello, 2020, right? Hello, 2021, 2022, even 2023, inflation, Fierce troubles pressing us uh, like we have a back up against the wall, but it triggered something totally unexpected. Not this sense that I got to gather all I can and hoard and collect. No, what did it trigger? It says they gave offerings, this crazy generosity. They gave offerings, whatever they could, even far beyond what they could afford. Now, I've heard of living uh, beyond your means. I've been guilty of that before in my life, but this is giving beyond your means, which is why generosity is like cold water for a sleepy soul. It just, it shocks you. And by the way, you don't need, you don't need God to, to give at your means. We need God to give beyond, you know, our means. And so if you feel apathetic, if you feel stuck, you know, where you are in life, or, or on the other side, you feel like you are, are climbing a ladder of success, and you have this, this low-grade haunting kind of fear that, that you are, are experiencing success in an area of life that will not matter for eternity, I think the invitation for you today is on the table, and that is to be a kingdom builder and to be generous by investing your treasure into something that will 
last. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So according to to Jesus, the number one obstacle that you and I will face in our ability to love God is also loving money. Loving money is is the number one barrier that we will have, which is why Jesus talked about money relentlessly. In the Gospels, more than anything else, he talked about our stuff because your heart, don't miss this, always follows your treasure. See, we think our treasure will follow our heart. We think, well, you know, if, I, if it has my heart, then I'll give to it. If it has my heart, then I'll, I'll, I'll pour resources into it. No, if you give to it, it will have your heart. You don't believe me? Invest in some crypto and see how often you check the market. Invest in something, right? And you're, you're checking, you know, it, you know you're, you're, you're Zillow, you know, estimate, you know, how is my home value increasing? I'm just telling you. If you invest in it, it'll have your heart. And I was thinking, why did God then create this whole giving and generosity thing in the first place? Did you ever think about that? Like, why did he do it? Did he just need to figure out a way to, you know, pay the electrical bill in heaven? I don't think so. But some people will say, and I think it's funny when they do, that God just wants my money. God just wants, wants my money. He just needs my, my money. Like, really? God? God wants your money. Like the, the star breather, the, the constellation designer wants your money. How much do you have? <laughs> the God wants your money. God has never been after our money. What is he after? He's after our hearts, which is why the sole reason and his purpose for creating giving and generosity in the first place is because if he can get your treasure, then he can get you. And can I tell you something? When God has your your whole heart, man, that's when you live a life of, of blessing and abundance. Blessing and abundance, how many of you know, is not always found in a fat wallet. It's really not. It's like chasing after something. There's another Bible verse that says, you know, we're filling a purse it's like with a purse with a hole in it, only just to, as soon as it comes in, it's, it's going out. Chasing that, that's not a life of abundance, but a life of abundance is always found in the fruit of the Spirit. And Colby, well, I don't need no fruit. I'm not trying to buy fruit. I'm not after fruit. And I would argue all day long, yes, you are. Because you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace tranquility, like how many synonyms do you need? Those are all the things that billionaires are trying to buy but cannot. I believe more than anything, that's what we are are after. And so I think this is why the enemy has done a great job at polluting and staining the word generosity and giving. Because someone like me on a Sunday like this stands up here and talks about money and all of a sudden, you know, the, the barriers go up. The radar, you know, the alarm bells start ringing. You're like, honey, grab your purse. We're out of here. You know, church is talking about money again. Can't trust the church with money. And listen, some of you trust the church way more with your kids than you do with your money. Because on Sunday, you're like, hey, take my kids. Thank you, Jesus. Watch my kids. (laughs) But Colby, don't talk about my money. Don't talk about my, my stuff. And I get it. Some of that's church baggage perhaps from a a former church experience. You know, I have some religion rehab that I had to do in my own life, but can we be honest as, as human beings who have way more in common than we don't when you love money 
And it, and it takes the, the priority position in your life. And I, I, I understand sometimes who could blame us because we need it. We work hard for it. Like we have to have it. I get it. But the enemy understands this too. And he's smart, and he knows Matthew, you know, six better than any of us. So I picture him with all of his little, you know, demon minions in a Monday morning staff meeting. And they're like, all right, God says, you know, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so we have to figure out a way to intercept that. And I know, I know what we'll do. Let's make the giving word in church like a, the ultimate Christian cuss word. So you hear giving, that's a, that's a swear word. Or the ultimate cuss word in church is the T word. You know what I'm talking about? Tithe. Yeah, don't say that one, right? And I would argue that they have done a pretty good job at sabotaging and staining and polluting those words. Giving and tithe and generosity, which is also why I could make the argument that the best thing to ever happen to the church in Macedonia was what we just read, fierce trouble and pressure. Because it was that, that fierce trouble and pressure that triggered something totally unexpected, this outpouring of, of pure, the Bible says, and generous gifts. And from that moment on, God had them because he had their treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you with me? And so, I, listen, I was sitting outside. Because I, I feel like as I, as I read through this, um, Paul's like, listen, guys, I'm not crazy. I'm telling you, I know it does not make sense, but these pressures and these troubles were coming, and, and I saw it with my own two eyes, you know, how it led them to this unbelievable generosity. Like, I'm not crazy. I, I was sitting outside, uh, maybe at a year ago or so, at 10 o'clock at night, and I look up into the sky, something catches my eye, and all of a sudden, like, and I'm, I'm being very vulnerable with you, I saw UFOs. Like, no question. Like, no question, I saw these dots crawling across the sky, one right after the other. And I'm, I'm like, Kristen, Kristen, you got to get out here. You got to get out here. Like, and by the way, I'm totally not that guy. Everything that I know about aliens, I learned from Will Smith in Independence Day. <laughs> Men in black, you know, let's go. But I know what I saw. I'm just telling you, it was like one after the other, all these spaceships just, just coming. I'm like, this is it. This is happening. Like right now, and I'm not on social media enough or whatever to know really what's going on all the time, but I'm like, this, this is it. And I'm like, Kristen, look, check it out. And secretly, I'm excited about this, by the way, because I'm ready for this kind of stuff. Like I'm hoping to be the one to make first contact, you know, when they come. So let's go. And I'm like, look, you see it, all these dots, and some of you know what I'm talking about in the event that, that happened, just one after the other, just going across the sky. I'm like, aliens. They're coming, and Kristen pulls out her phone, and as a matter of fact, as she possibly can, she's like, yeah, Elon Musk was sending up some satellites. <laughs> Just like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And nobody thought to tell me about this, but it validated, you know, what I was saying because I thought I'd lost my mind for a second. I was trying to think, like, who was I around today? Did I secondhand smoke something? <laughs> I know we have worship band rehearsal, and they're, they're not all stoners, but I could have maybe picked up, I don't know, <laughs> not all of them. But I just knew I wasn't crazy. What I was seeing was happening. And I think Paul kind of felt that way. He's like, guys, I'm not crazy. I know it sounds ridiculous. 
that when there's so much extreme pressure and trouble that's happening, but I'm telling you, it did not trigger them to, to hoard and to play it safe. No, what it triggered was crazy generosity. Paul's like, man, I saw it with my own two eyes. And I think it's the same feeling that David had when he wrote Psalm 37. He said this, I was once young and now I'm old and I have not once, never once, seen an abandoned believer. I've never once seen their children begging for bread. David's like, I'm not crazy. God just takes care of us. He says, they're always generous. They lend freely and their children will always be a blessing. Elevate Church, I've, I've seen a, a lot of life. I'm, I'm older than you think I am probably. I've been through you know, a lot of these year-end giving types of opportunities, and I've seen people live radically generous lives, people with real bills, real problems, real burdens, give in a sacrificial way that almost seems stupid unless God is who he says he is, unless God really does take care of, of us. And I've never once seen any of those people, those same people, begging for bread. I've never seen one of those people abandoned by God. He just takes care of, of the generous. He just does. His favor is on their home. Their children are blessed to be a blessing. They, they lend freely. They live lightly in their soul. You can't convince me that it's not true. I'm not crazy. In fact, in my own personal faith, like I don't think anything has increased my faith like generosity and living this kind of life. From Kristen and I early on in our marriage, like writing our first tithe check back in the day. Like me making nine bucks an hour at SeaWorld, her in college and school full time and us, us trying to pay for that. And then with kids on the way, still faithful in tithing and, and mortgages to pay and now kids in college, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, we've never been begging for bread. We've never lacked anything that God just shows up, that he just takes care of us. He comes through time and time again. And I've seen friends live this way live generously, give beyond their means, and, and really their world does get larger and larger and larger like Proverbs tells us. And I've seen people who are believers take that first step of trusting God with their, their tithe and, and sacrificing, and I've watched it shock their souls of the, as they've come alive through this act of, of giving. I'm not crazy, and I can't not talk about it, and I can't not share it with you. Because this is the way God established it. And so I don't need to, to twist anybody's arm today. This is not arm twisting. I want you to know that. I want more than anything you to experience freedom and to live a, a full life, a life of generosity, not write a check to elevate. I don't need anybody bringing an offering up, up because they feel like they should, because they feel guilted into it. That's what the Bible says. Don't give out of, out of pressure or guilt or out of, you know, but prayerfully. And that's why we took the time over the last month and a half or so to say, hey, pray, seek God. Ask God what he would have you bring today and then just be oh, obedient. God has got this church and he's done nothing but prove that for the last 11 years. He's been faithful to us. So I'm not begging you. I don't need to beg you to give. I refuse to beg to give, but I will unapologetically extend the invitation and the opportunity that is before us and be bold about the one thing that Jesus could not stop talking about and that's the kingdom of heaven and how you and I are to be a part of building it and to live my life as an example of a kingdom builder. So then I can say this and mean it with my whole heart, give anywhere, give anywhere. 
I mean that. Don't, don't let, you know, maybe your, your thoughts or whatever or, or, or just kind of keep you from living this kind of generous life. We're trying to build a, a generous people. So just give anywhere. But if you hear that voice in your head that says, you know, the church just wants my money. It's just all about, about my money. Can I just ask you, does that sound like God? Like, really? Does that sound like God? Because the enemy, the enemy will never dare you to give generously, but God will also never ask you to play it safe. Never. He wants you to, to go above and beyond. He's not messing around when he says, test me in this. He's not messing around. When he says, if I have your treasure, I have your, your heart. On a sunny day, December 7th, 1941, uh, a Japanese fleet of planes came over the mountains in North Oahu on its way to completely demolish, on a mission to demolish the U.S. Pacific Fleet. This was the, the Battle of Pearl Harbor. And so for 90 minutes, bombs, torpedoes, bullets rained down from the sky. It was 90 minutes of hell on earth, catching like sailors off guard. They were in their, their bunk sleeping or they were at breakfast. And so for 90 minutes, they scrambled, trying to, pilots tried to go to their planes while they were being blown up on the tarmac. Nurses triaged patient, patients wherever they could, friends, you know, family, loved ones, all, all that they could possibly do. But at the end of the day, 2,403 people were killed in the attack on Pearl Harbor. And over a 1,000 uh, were wounded in addition to that. And the man who planned the attack, um, Japanese Admiral Yamamoto, penned this in his diary. He said this following this event, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and to fill it with a terrible resolve. And that generation, the generation following the attack on Pearl Harbor, became known as the greatest generation. In fact, it was known as the most united that the United States had ever been because uh, a common enemy has a way of generating uncommon unity. A common enemy has a way of generating this uncommon kind of, of sacrifice. And so many people went without. They went without paychecks. They worked different jobs. They did all that they, they could do. They went without comfort because they were united around sacrifice. What if 2024 marked the, the year the enemy, Satan, woke, woke up a sleeping giant called the church and filled her with a terrible resolve where Satan and his minions ran every play they could, tried every strategic initiative they could to, to, to take us out, but all it did was to wake up the giant of all giants, the local church. Because you know what Jesus said 2,000 years ago? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of a pandemic, the gates of depression, the gates of addiction, the gates of no identity will not prevail and stand against the church. Nothing can stand against the church because Jesus is the head. We are his bride. We are more powerful than we realize. As you know, um, Great Danes, the dog, Great Danes, are some of the most timid and frightened dogs that there are, which is silly when you think about it because they're massive, right? And it looks strange to have this big dog be this little scaredy cat. And sometimes, sometimes I wish that either dog spoke English or I spoke dog, just saying, so I could grab a Great Dane by his face and say, hey, buddy, you don't have to be scared. You are big. You are powerful. 
You don't have to be afraid. I've given my life for the church. And sometimes I want to grab the church by his face. <laughs> Say, hey, church, you don't know how big you are. You don't know how much power you have. Like Jesus is our head. The gates of hell cannot prevail and stand against us. And sometimes I think that we don't feel as, as powerful as, as we can be when God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's who he created us to be. And what if, like we rallied together and were united around generosity and sacrifice? Because I'm telling you, Satan is not afraid of a big church. He is terrified of a unified church. He's terrified of a church with a common mission against a common enemy to eradicate him. And like the Macedonians, what's the prerequisite for sacrifice and generosity? Fierce trouble and pressure. Band, you guys can come help me close this. Fierce trouble and pressure. And if I can just say it this way, the last few years have been stupid. <laughs> have they not? And what it's done, we've seen 70% of, of students leaving the faith in their first year of college, all because one professor, you know, pulls out one card of their faith house of cards, and it falls apart. Somebody who doesn't even know their name, somebody who doesn't even care about them. We've seen... Um, the, the rise of depression and anxiety, the rise of suicide rates, and this is pre-pandemic. We've seen the rise of the nuns. Those are the people that, that don't affiliate with any kind of religious you know, organization, the, 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 the nuns. We've seen post-pandemic, we've seen uh, like a racially charged United States. We've seen a uh, United States that's never been so morally and politically divided. And so I think a lot of us are just afraid of what's to come. That's the fear of the unknown. But what if? Like, what if this was, those last three years were not a setback as much as they were a setup? And what if Satan in all of his, you know, strategy and scheming and plotting, only thing that he accomplished in the last few years was to wake up a sleeping giant called the local church and fill us with a great resolve for restoration and redemption and to do everything that we could possibly do because there was another time in history where the enemy attacked and God said, not on my watch, not on my watch. Another time where, where God said, you know what, I'm going to give my first and my best. And he sacrificed and he gave so that the, the darkness could be pushed back and heaven could be, be ushered in through his, his son, Jesus. And I've been praying all week for a not on my watch kind of spirit to flood this church. Not on our watch. And the world would know that we've decided to, to stand watch by the way that we give and by the way that we, we sacrificed I don't believe we understand how much resource and abundance is represented in this room today. Did you know that? Like, so I don't know what you see around the, the world. Do you see obstacles? Do you see opportunities? Do you see what is? Do you see what, what could be? Because all I know is the devil will take cheap shot after cheap shot after cheap shot because that's all he knows how to do. But the church, ultimately, on the scoreboard, we will win because that's all we know how to do. And that's what Jesus says in the end. We win. We are builders of the kingdom of God, the only unshakable kingdom 
that this world has ever seen. And the best days of the church are still to come. Watch how Paul finishes this challenge. He says this, here's what I think. So here's what I think, church. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year. And I know he's speaking to the church in Corinth, but I feel like he's speaking to us as well. And the point of this whole opportunity that we have in front of us is to invest and leverage all that we have for something bigger than us, larger than us, that will outlive us, something that will make some noise in the city around us for the sake of the kingdom of God. And some of you know this, the, the first couple of weeks we said this is what we feel like, like this, this next year, God is calling us to, to do who he's calling us to be, that we have this mandate on our life to equip and raise up the next generation to be able to stand strong in their faith because this world is getting crazy. We all know that. We all sense that. We all see that. And so we feel like if we don't set up our high schoolers and middle schoolers and, and elementary and preschool, like, like even to the youngest ones, to be able to stand strong in their faith, then we have not done our part. And so this offering this year is going to go towards, like 100% of it is going towards helping us build onto this building right here a completely different youth center, a completely different area where we can bring up our students, equip them with God's word. And not only that, like, like we're tr trying to create environments where they'll want to come and, and bring their friends and so they can hear about Jesus as well and also staffing of it, bringing people in to help us lead this, this charge and set them up to succeed. That's where our, our heart is. And so I want to challenge you right now to be bold. In fact, let's do this. Would you stand up wherever you are? And as we prepare for this offering, just know 100% of it today is going to go help set the pace for this getting done and accomplished. And so we're excited about what God is going to do. We're excited about what he's already done. And so in just a moment, after I pray, we're gonna sing and give you the opportunity to take that envelope, to come ready with that gift perhaps that you've prepared. In fact, there's a place on that envelope for you to say, this is what I'm praying for. And we're gonna pray along with you for this year of what you want to see God do in your life and in your family. But as we sing, come forward and you're gonna drop that envelope in one of these trays up front and along the ground we have keys. For the last few years, you guys know this, we've given out keys. Because you are a key. Your key to this happening, um, we've been given the keys to the kingdom. And so this year's key uh, is, is the John 2.17. This is when Jesus actually, he goes into the temple and he just loses it. Because they're exchanging money, they're not treating God's house with the, the respect and dignity that it deserves. And he fashions a whip and he flips over tables and he's like, not on my watch. And so this verse says, zeal for the house consumes me. And it's been our prayer that zeal for the house would just consume us. And we'd be so sold out to what God wants to do in and through this house that nothing could stand against it. Nothing will prevail against it. And I just believe as you give, and for some of you, maybe it's the first time and you're gonna, you're gonna shock your soul because you've given in a way that you have to rely on God and you're desperate for God to respond to what he's doing or your back is up against a wall and you just, you just feel like, but I'm praying that it triggers something, not hoarding, not this, you know, let's play it safe because God never asked us to do that. 
but triggers this unexpected, unbelievable generosity. And as you do, I believe with all my heart that God's word is true. Never seen a believer abandoned or begging for bread, but that your household is blessed, your children are blessed, you lend freely, live lightly, and that's what I believe God wants for us. And so we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then I'll have you come up and grab, grab a, a, a key as you bring your envelope. If you've already given online, still write your prayer on that, that envelope and bring that up and grab a key as well. Are you guys ready to do this? Do come on, you guys ready to do this? Let's do it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing in and through this church. Thank you for the ways that we get to be generous in this community and in our homes and the world around us. God, I pray that right now, I pray against any spirit of guilt or condemnation, but I pray that a spirit of generosity would rise up, a spirit of challenge, God, a spirit that says, you know what, God, you are our treasure. And so that, because of that, I'm going to put my treasure towards you and do it to, give it to you first, God, and trust that you're going to bless the rest. So right now, God, I pray that you would bless this offering as we bring it in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.